Good morning, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. I am. Uh, this is an interesting day because uh, I think the Zoom link ex expired. Uh, I don't know if you had trouble <laughs> getting in at first with the old link, but I tried to send out the notification. Um, as soon as I noticed it, I sent it out. And I hope that that um, I hope you guys had enough time to come in here. I feel kind of bad about that. But uh, anyway, uh, come on in and get comfortable. Come on in and get comfortable. Uh, give me one second here. All right. So I've got some really interesting stuff I want to talk to you guys about today that I really think is, uh, is really interesting. And from a financial consciousness standpoint, I think that there are, um, there, there are lessons everywhere. And one of the things that, uh, that we've been doing in this class, in case you guys didn't know that is, We've been talking extensively about the fact that um, that economics isn't just something you learn from a book. In fact, books are probably the worst place to learn economics. And uh, let me see here. And so, so one of the things that I wanted to kind of start off with is, um, uh, first off, just I guess a couple of housekeeping issues. I wanted to share with you guys, uh, there's a stock that I saw that I like, and I figured I'd help you by letting you know what I'm investing in. And uh, first of all, let me know Let me know if you can hear me okay. Uh, I want to make sure I'm coming through all right. Hey, Veronica, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, okay, Josephine says yes. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so yeah, so first off is I want to give you guys a stock that I like, and the stock is uh, Well Tower. Uh, well Tower, W-E-L-L, W-E-L-L is the ticker symbol. And Well Tower is going to make money because everybody's getting old. And the uh, and one aspect of financial consciousness is that people who make money tend to be people who are paying attention to trends and what's happening in the world. So one thing that, uh, that, that I just sort of unearthed as I was doing research on different stocks, and that's what I do every single morning, is I, I realized, like, wait a minute, you know, there's, there's this interesting demographic where basically the boomers are all getting older and they're all going to have to fill up these senior centers and there are there's not enough supply so whenever you have excessive demand and not enough supply for a commodity that pretty much says that the price is going to do what is it going to go up or down if if everybody wants something and there's not enough for everybody what tends to happen to the price of that commodity what do y'all think is more money made or less money made all right. So it's simple, simple question, simple answer, but that's how we do financial consciousness. Yeah. So obviously more money gets made. So basically what's going on with uh, Well Tower is W-E-L-L is the ticker symbol, is that this uh, this company is going to benefit from the uh, explosion in the number of senior centers that are out here that um that are basically going to make money from all the older people that uh, that are going to be retiring and have to go to these homes. The other thought that I want to share with you from a financial consciousness standpoint is a lot of you are uh, how many y'all got how, how many y'all got parents? How many y'all have parents? Anybody here got parents besides me? Anybody anybody got parents that that or at least a mother or a father that's alive? Uh, anybody got parents in here? How many of y'all got parents? If you if you ain't got no parents left, then then uh, I my heart goes out to you. If you have one parent, then my you know then then that's a blessing. If you have zero, if you have two parents, then that's that's a, a blessing and and a challenge. And uh, and so so one of the things that I want to mention uh, that I think you want to really think carefully about is the fact that uh, you have to do estate planning. Um, I spent about four hours yesterday, maybe three. Uh, at a lawyer's office yesterday, planning the estate for our family, talking to the attorney about ways to make sure that when uh, when my parents go to heaven, that uh, that the assets get protected. And uh, and the reason this is important is because black folks, y'all just you, we we have these crazy uh, financial habits, this bad economic consciousness that costs us so much money, where we will live our whole lives as if we're never going to die. And nobody wants to talk about the next stage uh, of life, which is heaven, which is passing on. Uh, and, and, and the thing about it is that it's really not the end of anything. Death is not the end of anything. De death is actually the beginning of your legacy. So what I did with my parents was I sat down with the lawyer and we talked about a trust and we set up the family trust. It was already kind of set up a little bit, but we really solidified some things. We set up... Um, uh, a governance structure of how the decisions will be made. Uh, we also talked about 
what the what would happen to those assets, where those assets would go. Because I said, look, you know, me, my brother, my sister, I would be quite frank with you, none of us are poor. Uh, all three of us, my sister cuts, she chops up dead bodies for a living. She does autopsies, believe it or not. And, and apparently there's, there's given that I mentioned a minute ago that a lot of people are getting old, but a lot of people are dying and it's kind of sad, right? Because you, it's a lot of, it's like, you know, the fentanyl and all that other stuff, but yeah, but death is at an all time high. And so effectively my sister makes just a killing doing these autopsies or something. So long story short, the conversation was, well, I don't really need your money. My our sister doesn't need your money. My brother doesn't need your money. But let's but but money matters. Money's gonna matter. And, and we have the kids, grandkids, great grandkids, all that stuff, nieces, nephews, everybody else. Let's go ahead and, and use this as an opportunity to really build that legacy. Let's go ahead and put these assets in a place where we can apply principles similar to what I shared with you guys with our $5 a day plan in the Black Business School. Uh, if you if you don't, if you have not seen that yet, you can either go to blackmoney101.com, that's blackmoney101.com, or you can go to blackwealthmasterplan.com, blackwealthmasterplan.com. That's where the $5 a day plan is. And I said, yeah, so if you take that money and you put it into some assets that are indexed with the S&P 500, don't put it in a savings account, don't just have it sitting there. You don't want your money sitting stale because inflation ain't never going away. Give me a yes if you understand that inflation is real. Inflation will never disappear. It's always going to exist. So so, so let's put that money to the side and then let that just let it grow. Let it grow just like uh, you let uh, just like a weed grows or like a tree will grow. And so I, I said, I told my mother, I said, yeah, here's what happens. So in 25 years, by the time my brother's kids are conscious financially conscious and they start realizing they have to pay bills and they realize they need money they'll they'll wake up and be like oh yeah here's a million dollars for you to, to handle your business and so they'll never have to work for anybody because i can tell you this you know sure there's going to be inflation but a million dollars will still be a lot of money in 30 years or in 25 years it will be it, it's not like it won't be a lot of money in the future it'll be less money right it may be half of what it is now but it's still gonna be a lot of money so uh, if you want to get an idea of how long of how that money grows, uh, one rule that you can apply is what they call anybody heard of the rule of 72. Does anybody know about the rule of 72? Give me a yes if you've heard of the rule of 72 when it comes to investing. Real easy, real easy way to figure out how, how your money can grow. The rule of 72 is uh, very simple. It basically says if you want to figure out how long it takes your money to grow, Take the growth rate of that money, if it's going to grow by 10% a year or whatever, and take 72 divided by that number. So if the growth rate is 10%, then 72 divided by 10 means your money will double every 7.2 years. If the rate is if the rate is eight percent, then it will be 72 divided by eight, which I guess is nine. Is that nine? Yeah, 72, 79. It's yeah. Am I doing the math right? It's early. I just got I just had my coffee. So y'all got to forgive me for that. But yeah. So so yeah. So nine years. Right. Uh, it Now. Now, imagine if you have it in some crazy, funky little account that's giving you one percent per year. Well, how long will it take your money to double? According to the rule of 72, how long will it take your money to double with that in that context? Seventy two divided by one is what? 72, right? So you got to wait 72 years for your money to double. So this is why it's important for your money to grow. This is why it's important for everybody to invest. Everybody must invest. If you know all, all, it, all it really takes for any family to be wealthy in a generation is to have somebody willing to plant a seed. That's it. You just have to have somebody, it could be just one person willing to plant a seed. Uh, if somebody had planted a seed for you in the 1960s, you wouldn't even be working right now. You would have no money problems right now. All your financial problems would be gone. Okay. So, uh, so these are some things uh, that, that estate planning piece, very important for you to do. Uh, also that rule of 72 is beneficial in terms of figuring out how long it'll take your money to grow. Uh, and, and then uh, also the stock, if you miss the stock that I mentioned, I'll mention it one more time. The stock that I shared is Well Tower. Well Tower, the ticker symbol is W-E-L-L. -L, and uh, and I bought some shares of Well Tower because people are getting old and these old folks' homes are getting filled up. And as they get filled up, the supply has not met the demand. So there's an expectation that this company is going to grow. 
But again, there's no guarantees with investing at all. Now, a couple little other piece of housekeeping notes. Um, the uh, You guys were asking about the Stock Options Summit. We're going to do a summit where we're going to cover stock options. It's going to be a live event that's going to happen in Los Angeles. If you'd like to join us for the Stock Options Summit, April 19th, we have a limited number of seats. We're only bringing, we're only going to do 100 people because these venues cost money. And uh, and we don't want to, you know, we're, we're a small HBCU. That's what we are at the Black Business School. I think we're the HBCU for the future because we can do 10 times more on a fraction of the budget. We have PhDs just like, the HBCUs do, but we don't have the constraints. And we also focus specifically on black wealth, black wealth, black wealth, black wealth, black ownership, uh, which is connected to black family. We also educate children. These are things that uh, HBCUs and white universities don't do. So that's why the black business school is special. Anyway, we uh, so these these venues cost money. And, uh, and of course, the more you guys support the school, the more things you involve yourself with, the stronger the school gets, the more we can do things. Uh, but until that point comes where we have all the resources we need, we have to be lean and efficient. So with this event, there will only be 100 people accepted to the event. Uh, and uh, and so if you're interested, just text the word money to 87948. If you text money to 87948, I will also send you not just an invitation to, uh, to join us in Los Angeles April 19th and 20th, but also I will send you a link to a training I did called How to Make Money Without Working, which introduces you to the power of stock options and ways you can actually make income selling stock options. I just sat with a brother yesterday. I can't remember his name. Uh, I wish Abel, 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 Abel. I won't give his last name because I don't want to I don't want to give his spot away. But we sat down with Abel and I went through his portfolio and believe it or not, we found like an extra $700 a month that he would make in, in income by just making some little tiny pivots in the portfolio. And I remember he was excited because because we got to the point where we reached what, what I call the singularity. The singularity, here, and this is important. I want you to pay attention to this. This is just a consciousness exercise I want to share with you. Uh, let's define the singularity first, because my ADHD is kicking in. And when I, get, when, I, when I get flushed with too many ideas, I start talking fast, and then I confuse people. So y'all got to slow me down. Y'all got to help me out and be patient. God ain't through with me yet. And so the singularity is, to me, when you get to the point where you're making as much money from your investments as you are from your job, right? So if you have a job, the singularity is when your 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 side oops, your, your side income is paying you as much as your job income, and that's that's the definition of the singularity. So I want us to sort of write that down. That's a unique thing. It's in the Black Business School. You'll you won't find this in any business school anywhere. You won't find this in any book, any textbook, right? But I'm qualified to redefine definitions because that's what professors do. My PhDs in this stuff. So that's the singularity. And this is what I want you to aim for. This is important. And let me tell you why the singularity is important. The singularity is important because this is not your daddy's economy. This is not your mama's economy. This is not your, your grandma's economy. This is something new. This economy is an economy where, that is not designed for the average worker to be able to make enough money to do the things that they need to do. This is not an economy where the average worker is going to do well. I thought about that this morning. I kid you not. I had this um, crazy experience uh, where two two thoughts that, 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 that come to mind. I'll get to the other one later. I wrote it down because I, you know, y'all know my ADHD. So y'all, uh, y'all hope y'all good. I hope y'all can be patient with me on this. So I go to Walmart, right? Check this out. And I figured out, I figured out the whole, has anybody noticed, give me a yes or no if you've noticed this or paid attention to all this stuff going on with the border. Has anybody noticed how the borders are just oddly just wide open and suddenly for whatever reason, they're just letting anybody in the grandma in, any terrorist, any rapist, any murderer, any, you know, there's one guy they found where they said that they had deported him four times because he was so violent and he kept killing people. And they, and they literally, uh, okay. So by the way, I see somebody's asking a support question. Let write this email down, send an email. If you have any questions about support, send an email to support at the black business school.com support at the T H E the black business school.com. If, uh, if anything, I see someone says they ordered some workbooks and they didn't get there yet. Yeah, you should have got your stuff. So there's probably some issue with the postal service or something, but they'll resend it. I'll have the team resend it to you. So uh, just email support at theblackbusinessschool.com. I ship everything right out of my house. So uh, you will, we, we take pride in our customer service in the Black Business School. We will take care of you. So write that email address down, support at theblackbusinessschool.com. And if they ever don't get back to you within 24 hours, you let me know and I'm, and I'm going to be on it. 
I will be on it. I promise you. Okay, so I want to interrupt at that point. So, so the borders are wide open, right? And suddenly, everybody and their mama can come in. I saw videos of people just climbing through this fence on this guy's land, and it was like thousands of people every day coming through this fence. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. I said, "Why doesn't anybody stop this? This is crazy." Now, how many of you? Uh, let's be. Let, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to be an armchair conspiracy theorist. How many of you think that this is uh, deliberate? How many of you? Give me a yes if you think that there's something to this. That there, that there's a reason they're doing this. That they that there's somebody who wants this to happen. Uh, I don't think it happened by accident. I think somebody wants this to happen. So here's where um and and I and, and I'm gonna sound like a conspiracy theorist, but this relates back to your economics, I promise. And it definitely affects black people. So I believe that the reason that they are letting all these individuals in is also linked to uh, a confusing fact about the economy that I could not understand. So they I I think that they're letting all these individuals in because they can get low cost workers. I think that that's what it is. I, I cause check, let, check the, let me tell you what happened to me this morning when I went to Walmart. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you might know the story. I shared it on Instagram. I couldn't believe it. My Instagram is Dr. Boyce Finance. So feel free to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Boyce Finance. I just got back to 100,000. I had 500,000 and they killed the, the account. Maybe they'll kill this one too. So it's important to stay connected in other ways. Anyway, so so this uh, I go into Walmart. I talk to the greeter. And I have, and I forgot my wallet at home. I, I, you know, I guess maybe this morning I'm not only is my ADHD kicking in, but I'm absent-minded. So I literally went to Walmart and I forgot my wallet. I was like, crap, I don't have my wallet. How am I going to pay for stuff? Then I was like, oh, that's right. I have Apple Pay. So let me, maybe I could use Apple Pay. I'm, I don't want to go all the way home because I was in my pajamas, literally. And, uh, and so I go into Walmart and I go to the first guy and I'm like, hey, do you guys take Apple Pay? And he's like, no English, no English. So this guy speaks, I mean, like zero English. He only knew how to say no English, right? So then he points to another person, the greeter. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just talk to the greeter now. I go to the greeter and I'm like, do you all accept Apple Pay? This is not, I'm not kidding. She says, welcome to Walmart. And, and I said, uh, do you accept Apple Pay? She says, welcome to Walmart. I was like, okay, uh, do you accept Apple Pay? She said, customer service. Like so, she didn't speak English either. She did. So this was this was in Kentucky. So the first person doesn't speak English. The second person doesn't speak English. So she points to a white lady, right? And I'm like, okay, well now we got white people, right? Now you know this maybe this is the time I felt safe talking to a white woman. So I go up to this white lady, and I'm thinking, okay, I now I can find out if y'all got Apple Pay. So I go to this lady. She don't, her English is like 20%. I don't know what language she was speaking. Maybe it was Ukrainian or something. I have no idea. I don't even know if you, is Ukrainian a language or do they just speak Russian? Don't forgive my ignorance on this, but this lady literally, her English was bad. She didn't understand what I was saying. She, she like, I said, Apple pay, Apple, do you accept Apple pay? She's like, oh, Apple, Apple pay. No, 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 we don't accept that. Okay, thank you. I'm out of here. I got to go. So I'm walking out to the car and I said, okay, now I get it. These corporations want the low cost labor. They want to flood the, the, the market, but not, not just with, you know, and of course there's a political reason, right? You, if you're a politician, you want these people to come vote for you so they can dilute the black vote. That's another conversation. We're not going to have that today, but there's the economic discussion about the fact that they, I, I believe they want to dilute the labor market and keep wages down. And then what they'll do is they'll turn around and they'll say, well, these people, these people from other countries, they'll, they'll take jobs that African-Americans don't want to do. Well, no, people will want to do those jobs. They just want to be paid a living wage. That's it. They want to be paid enough money to do the job. It's not that people don't want to do it. It's that if you're paying them, you know, a two dollars an hour, that no, but people are or eight, fifteen, sixteen, whatever. And especially in an economy that has a lot of inflation. So a million thoughts went through my brain in the morning. My brain is very active, so I'm thinking about stuff. So, a couple thoughts. Number one. In a lot of my economic research, one thing that economists cannot understand, they cannot figure out, is they can't figure out why um, they cannot figure out why the experts are telling us that the economy is strong, while at the same time the average worker feels like the economy is not strong. If you ask a lot of people, like, how's the economy doing? They'll say, oh, it's terrible. It's so bad. I hear the inflation, the, you know, ain't no, the you know, job cuts, uh, pay, pay is low. Those are the three big, I, I'd say those are the big three that kick people in the butt is inflation because the cost of everything's going up. The, um, 
job cuts, right? Because you're scared of losing your job. And then also wages not, not increasing. The average American's wage is not going up. And so a lot of people from other countries, they're replacing a lot of those low-wage jobs or low-wage workers, uh, uneducated workers. But then you've got another flood of, you can almost call it like an immigration thing, is AI. Now, now AI is disrupting the jobs of college-educated white-collar workers. Now that person who is the accountant or whatever, the business manager or the data analyst or the computer programmer is worried about their job. Literally, did anybody see this? Did anybody else catch it when the CEO of NVIDIA literally said, um, he said, we don't need computer programmers anymore or we computer programming is dead. Anybody's a programmer now. All you have to do is tell AI what you want to program and AI will write the code for you. So, so that's, a, and this was already a trend before because you uh, already, even before AI really blew up, there were already studies showing during the pandemic that the wage gap between college-educated workers and, and, and those who didn't go to college was shrinking. It was at an all-time low. So the college degree was already you know, having trouble competing in terms of being a viable economic investment with the student loan hikes and every, everything else. But but and then the wages were dropping at the same time. But now you pop, you throw in AI, it becomes a mess, right? So so that is the, the second variable, right? So wages are going down or going to remain flat for uneducated workers. Wages go down and remain flat for educated workers. And then there's the third variable. And we've talked about this in class, so I won't belabor this point. But most of the time when they talk about how difficult it is for the average American to get by, they're always assuming that you're doing it by yourself. They're always assuming that you are a single person trying to figure it out on your own, and that's it. And, and I'm trying to be the canary in the mind to tell you that that is not the way to think about your economics. What does Dr. Claude Anderson say about economics? He says, economics is a what? A blank sport. Type the word in the chat. What's the word? What word am I looking for? Thank you, Veronica, Darlene. <clears throat> yeah, team, Christian. Yes, it's a team sport, a team sport. So you know, this, what this does is this should reshape and reframe the way you view things like marriage and family. I, I see marriage as a, as a means of economic survival. I see family as a means of economic survival. Relationships are a means of economic survival. Even if you aren't married to someone else, if you just got three or two or three people where you trust, where you have trust and you can build a solid relationship and y'all live in the same house, then suddenly Housing prices are not an issue anymore, you know, because before you were trying to pay twenty five hundred a month in rent by yourself. Now you're spreading uh, thirty five hundred in rent among three people, and you get a bigger place, and everybody's paying less money, right? So, so these relationships are really important. And again, because the Black Business School, we are the best on earth at dissecting and analyzing Black wealth issues and trends and predicting the future. Uh, we have therapists right here in the Black Business School that can help you to form healthy economic relationships with people that that build the trust. My wife and I, we do Love and Money Lab and all kinds of stuff uh, that, that can help you. You know, my wife's a therapist. Uh, and in fact, actually, if you want to get stuff from my wife, text the word love to 87948. Text love to 87948, and I'll send you a free e-copy of my book, Financial Lovemaking. Also, my wife will send you some more stuff as well. So anyway, so so this all sort of mushed together in my head. In terms of me understanding what's really going on with this economy and why working class people feel that the economy is doing badly. But if you listen to all the experts, millionaires, CEOs and government officials, they will all tell you that the economy is roaring. Every type of economic analysis I have been going through and I go through a lot every single day is always saying, "Woo, this economy, woo, it's on fire. It's it's overheating. It's doing so great. Look at woo, look at these indicators." But then I look over at other people who are like, "How am I going to pay the bills? I can't afford to go to the grocery store anymore. I don't know how to pay this this so so the other little piece here too that I want to throw at you is that this is why let's circle back to what I was saying earlier about what the singularity is where the singularity is where you can make as much money outside of your job as you're making it within your job. I think everybody over time should aim for the singularity. This is the why this is why in this economy it is absolutely essential for you and your children to learn the importance of things like the side hustle. 
right? Having the secondary businesses, bringing the second stream of income. Uh, also investing. If you're investing consistently and you understand little things like selling stock options, even stuff like that can literally add that few hundred dollars a week to your income that makes the difference between uh, the stress of not having enough money versus having an abundance of money. Uh, you know, if you are in the Prime program, if you're in Prime, say something in the chat so everyone will know how impactful this is. This is not BS. Say something, right? In the Prime program, that's all we do is we sit around and we look at certain stocks, we figure out where we can sell options on those stocks, and we generate extra income from that. This is how I make extra income for my family. This is how we pay off the, the credit card bill this week. So uh, so anyway, if you want to learn more about Prime and what we do, uh, text the word money to 87948, and I'll send you that training, How to Make Money Without Working. It's not a bunch of BS. It is the real deal. It will make a big difference in your life. You will get, if you don't get 5 or 10x the value uh, that it costs you to be in that program, then we'll give you your money back. We don't want we don't want a nickel from you ever unless you can look back and say, gosh, my life is better because I'm in the black business school. I'm making more money. I'm more economically secure. I have greater economic insight. So, uh, and by the way, I see Christian says, I just got approved for options trading on E-Trade. Good for you. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, to me, that's that's better than graduation. Really, that's 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 great. Right? Graduation to me is when you have the ability to do the things you need to do to survive and thrive in this society. Uh, that piece of paper you got from college may or may not mean what you want it to mean. In fact, most people, uh, at least half of all college graduates don't even use their college degree, uh, which to me makes you wonder like what's really happening here. I'm a fan of college. I like college. I'm a college professor. I'm not biased against college at all, but I understand enough about college to know the nuances to say that if you'd use it in the wrong way, if you don't think about it carefully, if you're not conscious about uh, what your child chooses as a major and how, and how much they pay uh, for students, uh, for, for uh, tuition and all that, then college can actually harm you more than it can help you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Margaret says, I have a problem signing up. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Antonio says it's the easiest money I've ever made in my life. Yeah. I, I I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. Like this is, this is the real deal. So feel free to try it out. And if you want to just jump right in uh, today, you can go to drboysprime.com, drboysprime.com. Feel free to go take a look at that. Um, anyway, let me, uh, let me mention another consciousness exercise that I wanted to kind of go through today that I thought was kind of worthwhile. There was this guy, who put up this post and I put it up on my Instagram just to see what everybody thought. And basically he made a statement regarding um, spending money before marriage. And his argument was really interesting. It was something to the effect that, that if, 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 if he said, I met a woman who told me that she doesn't sleep with any, she doesn't sleep with men before marriage because she's saving herself for her husband. Right. And, uh, and that's fine, right? He said, that's her right. I respect that. No problem. But then he comes back and he says that when she wanted to go on a date with him, he told her, let's go Dutch on this date uh, because I'm saving my money for my wife. And I don't want to go and, and use up all my good resources on these random dates when, when my wife is waiting for me and I have to save my best for my wife. So let me read this to you. And then I'm going to kind of give you uh, my breakdown of this, because I think this is a great financial consciousness exercise for a lot of reasons. So it says here, two people are dating and the woman mentions that she's saving sex for her husband and the guy is cool with that. And then he mentions that they should all go always go Dutch for dates because he's saving money for his wife. The woman points out that it's not cool that he not take her on dates just because she doesn't want to have sex. He mentions that that's that's not the case at all, but clarifies that just like sex, finances should be reserved for marriage. That's what he says. How many of y'all agree with this? How many of you think that that makes sense, or if you think that's crazy, or does it? Or it's it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, I, I see a lot of uh, agrees. Okay, I see a lot of you saying that you agree. Josephine Rainwater, I see you in there. Lila, okay. Ginger says this is the perspective. Yeah, it is. Uh, Cedric says nope. Why should he spend all his money on her? Okay, I saw that. Atasha Murray, I see you. I agree. Antonio says he just flipped the script on her. Yeah, he did. That's that's a heck of a script flip, right? And so so let me give you uh here's here's the way I, I look at this because you guys know I wrote that book Financial Love Making back in 2006. It's at drboysbooks.com if you want to get a copy, if you want me to sign it and send it to you. Um so I'm gonna break this down 
as a consciousness exercise by looking at the yay and nay case. That's it. I'm going to look at it from the yay case and the nay case. So here's the nay. Here's the here's the part of it that says it makes perfect sense. It makes sense because there is a a, a, tr a tremendous point to be made about the value of saving yourself for marriage, right? If you think about it the way we typically think about it, we think if you think about it sexually, maybe people have an issue if you've you know, formed all these physical relationships with just a million people before you uh, you got together as a couple because it kind of, for some people, can undermine the sacredness of the marriage uh, that that you pursue. And and I get that, right? So that we, we, we can think about that in terms of sex. Now to flip that in terms of finances, I, I want you to think about how many people you know. Let's say a guy, um, you know, gets four babies mamas. And all four of those babies' mamas are taking a percentage of his check. And so his his finances are being warped by these choices, you know, in terms of how he's engaged with women. Then let's say he was also a player. So instead of investing and saving his money, he was just spending it, throwing it out there, right? Because you know, money, money impresses a lot of a lot of women. You know, that's I became a much more handsome man when I when I had money. I I noticed that. I thought that was the craziest thing. That's what that's what led me to do the research for the book Financial Love Making, because I didn't understand. I said, I'm the same person. Why why do you like me more now that I have money? So it made me understand that women and men have just have different brains, period. I, I read a whole book about women called What Women Want Men to Know by Dr. Barbara DeAngelis. And that and then after that, it was confirmed to me, okay, women are just different from us. And I have to study and understand women. I can't use my own logic because my logic says that that's weird. What what are you what? That guy's ugly. Why would you date that ugly man just because he's got money? Now I understand. Okay. So so imagine you have this guy, he's got the four babies, mamas, he's been spending money on all of them because uh, he has to pay child support and everything. And uh, and then on top of that, he's been he he never saved or invested because he was just throwing the money out. He also didn't invest his time uh, in terms of bettering himself skill wise because he spent all his time chasing women and getting into random relationships or whatever. And then, and, then, and then let's say there's other baggage as well. So then he gets to the point where he's like 34, 35 and he says, I don't want to be a player no more, right? He don't want to be a player no more. So he meets the woman that he wants. Uh, he marries her, settles down. They start a family. Well, the problem for that woman in many cases, and you've probably seen this happen in real life, is that she's not so much getting a complete man. She's getting what T.I.'s wife, Tiny, refers to as a piece of man. She's getting a piece of man because he's not the man he would be if he didn't have four people eating off of his paycheck, right? Every time he gets paid, you know the the, the you know the the after tax pay pay stub might be you know three thousand, but after the baby's mamas eat first, then there's only fifteen hundred left or twelve hundred or whatever, right? So so the wife is frustrated because she's like, wait a minute, you don't, we don't have anything left for us after we're finished paying for your past. Right. And then on top of that, uh, you didn't save or invest anything. Uh, you, you Maybe you have student loan debt. And then on top of that, you didn't even use your time to create enough skill or find some way to make enough money to afford this extravagant, um, really what you call it, of uh, this this harem of a lifestyle that you created where you literally are in a poly financially polygamous situation. You are you are you have four wives. And then you want to marry me and I'm wife number five. So I'm getting one fifth of you. I'm not getting the entirety of you, at least not from a financial standpoint. So there's an argument to be made that, hey, if I save myself for my wife, if I minimize the baby's mamas or have or have none at all, and I also I don't waste my time chasing women, I spend my time working toward my goals. I take that extra money I would spend dating woman after woman and I invest that money instead. Then by the time I show up ready for marriage, I am a complete man. I am doing well financially. I have uh, at least two of the indicators of financial strength in my pocket. One is significant cash flow because uh, my money comes in. My expenses are low because I don't have to pay for all these other people. So there's plenty of money for the family. The second measure of economic strength is that I have financial security. Why? Well, because all the extra money I would have spent at the club, uh, putting money in stripper thongs, I have put that into uh, into a an, uh, an S&P 500 index fund. So I've got a another $200,000 over here. And then 
in addition to that, I've taken my time and put my energy into skills that allow me to increase my income. So all those metrics are hitting, right? My revenue's high, my cash flow is high, which is revenue minus your expenses, and I've got financial security. So I got money in the bucket in the back in case we run into a financial problem. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good, right? That sounds like a solid situation, right? That sounds like a good scenario, right? Uh, a man like that has an easier time taking care of kids and all this other stuff than a man who's stuff is all over the place okay and this is just a reality this is just a fact uh that was that was uh I, one of the reasons why it was easy for me to get married in my 40s was because i kind of had those i checked those boxes and so it so money we me and my wife never really had any problems when it came to talking about money because there was money around like it's like oh you want to go on a trip let's go on a trip you want to do something with the kids let's do it with the kids right whatever okay so that's the uh pro side to holding back till marriage for sure okay Here's the other side of that, though, that has to be considered. There's this concept that we've discussed extensively in this class called investing. And the thing about investing is that investing involves risk. And investing is also something that is necessary when you want to go acquire an asset or participate in what you perceive to be an opportunity. Investing also involves this thing uh, let me know if you've heard this term called due diligence. Anybody familiar with that term, due diligence? That just means do your homework. That means look it over before you make the investment. That means make sure that before you put a stake in this thing, that, that you know that this is what you want to do. And, 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 and so, so one of the things about investing that's also true, and you've probably known this your whole life, has anybody ever heard that term that scared money don't make no money? Anybody ever heard that term? Scared money don't make no money. Well, that term, which you might have heard in the street, all that's really saying is it's relating back to financial theory that, that there is a connection between risk and reward. That, that if you take no risk, you will have no reward. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You don't put nothing up, then you won't have nothing. Right. So so here's the problem that this guy might run into if he says, you know what? Uh, I'm saving my money for my wife. I'm not, we going Dutch. I'm not, I'm not putting no money down. The problem is that, by you not being willing to even make any sort of investment in a person just to find out if they might be the person, then when the person comes by, you might miss the person. Because when your wife does walk by, you know, she may say, hey, I'd like to go on a date. And you you say, no, no, girl, you we going Dutch. Uh, you you better shoot. I'm going to call you. I'll text you that because that's free. I'm saving my money for my wife. Well, then your wife might just walk away and say, you know what? He's not even willing to take a chance on any of this. He's not willing to invest in in this situation. So why? So maybe he's not the guy for me, right? Sometimes you have to invest to even find out if that's the situation that you want to be in. But at the same time, but that that's when that term due diligence comes into play. I believe this is half Dr. Boyce, half Uncle Boyce here. So if, if I say something that doesn't make sense, just write it off as me being an old, uh, old man. All right. But but I believe that one thing that we don't do enough is that because uh, love makes us unconscious, there's that term, financial consciousness, because love is an unconscious process. Love is something that's very uh, driven, emotionally driven, right? You're driven by your loins and, and your excitement about a person. A lot of people don't do their due diligence before they invest in people. That's what it is. Seriously, a lot of financial trauma occurs from a lot of, especially men, men tend to spend the most money in dating. Uh, there's a lot of financial trauma that occurs because you invested in a person without doing your due diligence. Or people who invest their bodies in a person where they look back and say, oh my God, I can't believe I had sex with that fool. I, I wish I had saved myself. Maybe you didn't do your due diligence. You know, like the lady that did that series, uh, who, the heck, who the F did I marry? She tells, she says all the time, she says, I met this guy and two weeks later, I quarantined with him during the pandemic. Well, why are you quarantined with a man you just met? You, you, you didn't do your due diligence. So you made an investment in him and in, in this relationship as a financial asset without reviewing the asset. That's no difference. That's no different from buying a house sight unseen. Like you look at a picture of a house and it's a beautiful looking house in the picture. So you say, oh, I want that house. 
Let me put, let me take out my life savings and put it on that house. And you haven't gone through the house. You haven't done an inspection. You haven't had any experts come through and look through to make sure that the house is, is, is set up properly and doesn't have termites. You didn't go through. Cause some of these people out, you know, sometimes y'all people out here, we dating people and a lot of people got termites now, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, they got a lot of termites in the infesting the, the wood in a lot of people's situations. But, but, but anyway, so, so, so really when you think about it, when you buy a house, you have to go through a process. You have to make sure that the person that's selling you the house even owns the house. Because if you didn't, then people would sell you a fake house. And I think that that happens a lot in relationships. There's a lot of trauma that occurs because we invest in people that sell us a fake dream. They sell us something that isn't real because they know you're not going to do your due diligence because they're leaning on your lack of consciousness to allow them to manipulate you. Do you follow me? So, so the, and this is true on the, the male and the female side. Uh, there are women that will go on a date with a man just so they can get a free meal. Well, if you do your due diligence, you can you can identify that that kind of behavior and women like that will drop off. If you say, no, nah, you know what, before we go on a date, let, I'd like to get to know you for a couple of weeks or be, you know, or whatever. Right. And, and then the ability to make those investments really depends on where you are economically. So when I was young and broke, um, I went through a financial trauma by taking out a girl that was gorgeous, but ignorant as hell like literally straight out of the straight out of the worst part of the ghetto i'm not to say she was ghetto is an insult to people who live in the ghetto because this girl was ridiculous she was a complete buffoon but as a young guy i was caught up in what she looked like and i remember walking away from that date feeling just angry and hurt and mad that i spent all this money on this lady because believe me because she knew she had me she knew she had a sucker so so she was ordering the expensive stuff she even she even ordered she complained the whole night about how hungry she was and then ordered all this expensive food and then took two bites and i said i thought you were hungry what you you're talking about how hungry you was she said oh i'm gonna take it home so this girl was literally using me to buy her a bunch of food that she was gonna take back to her house and eat for the rest of the week and so, 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 you, but, but I ain't no sucker. You can't, you know, you, you only go pull that on me one time, but that financial trauma. And when I look at that and I look back at that 25 year old guy who went on that date, he was driven by a lot of things, a lot of unconscious uh, energy that young men have that isn't the sort of energy or the thought process that an older man have, right? The 52 year old boys can see exactly what the 25 year old boys was doing and what his mistake was. And, and so, so, so that financial trauma that can occur where we invest in something or someone that does not work out in many cases can be linked back to the inability to meditate and to consciously make a decision to do your due diligence, right? So this is where consciousness comes into play when it comes to investing. A lot of times we get excited about stuff. We get excited about people. We get excited about situations. Situations and, and we want to just dive in head first, right? Because they're saying all the right things, hitting all the right buttons. She's looking the right way. And you can't do that. You have to be conscious and stop and say, you know what? No, 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 no. I got to know the difference between what I want and what I need. And I'm going to back up and do my due diligence. But once I've done my due diligence, then I am going to make an investment and make the investment while knowing that it may not work out. That's it. Like literally just know like, hey, you know what? I might take this lady out. And she may not be the one, but at least I'll find out. At least I get a chance to know that. And um, and something as simple as my my lack of a uh, lack of willingness to pay forty dollars for a trip to Applebee's isn't gonna keep me from meeting somebody that I really need to meet. Think about how a company hires job candidates. If you are graduating from law school and a big prestigious law firm wants to find out if you are. Uh, inadequate for the firm, they're not going to just hire anybody. They're not just going to hire you sight unseen. They're not. They're not going to just grab anybody off the street. But but they're going they're going to do their due diligence. They're going to look at your resume, talk to some people, figure out if you might be a fit, and then they'll make a modest investment in you. They're not going to hire you off the bat. They're going to say, okay, well, you know, we'd like to fly you to New York and take you out to dinner and put you in a hotel. Right? They're making an investment so they can get more information. But they still know when they make that investment that you might still not be the one. It still might not be a good fit, but they're willing to invest a little more in you because they've done that initial due diligence to determine that, okay, this is worth a further investment. But they still haven't made the big investment yet. So so I personally think dating is similar. I think it's the same way. I think I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to admit, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of this idea that says we go tick for tat. 
you know, with each other, male and female. I, 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 when I, when I took, if I took a woman on a date, I'd expect to spend some money. You know, I, I, I think that uh, what can occur is that when you show up and you're just a tightwad and you're, you're afraid to make any sort of investment in anything or anyone, people are not interested in that. That really speaks, that really honestly sends a signal that you are a selfish person. It really, it speaks to the idea that you don't understand the, the back and forth reciprocity required for a relationship to work. That says that you probably have some trauma where you haven't learned how to trust unless you know for sure that, that nothing's going to go wrong. And if you're a person that can only trust when you know for sure that everything is trustworthy and that nothing's going to go wrong, then you don't really trust at all. You, that's not, that's not really trust because, because life is risk. Investing is risk. Like, like if I say, well, I'll, I'll invest my money, but only if I know for sure that it's going to double my money. No, ain't no investment out here that's going to double your money when there's not risk involved. There's very few. When I told you all about that stock, uh, Well Tower, in case you're late, the stock for today that I mentioned was Well Tower, W-E-L-L. I didn't present that stock as a sure thing. It's not, there's nothing guaranteed here. But it does say, hey, you go ahead and take that chance, plant your seed. There's a good probability that this is going to work out. Why? Well, because I did some due diligence and I determined that this stock is a place I'm going to put my money. Okay. So, and again, there's not investing advice. It's just where I put my money. Okay. So, so really, I, I think that just sort of looking at that statement, I get it. Right. It's kind of like an aha, like I'm like, I got you girl, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I, I see, I see how some people can see it that way, but I don't think you have to see it that way. I, I would almost see it as, um, investing in people and investing in relationships is not only beneficial, but it's a, pretty much a requirement. And uh, and I would just say that if you want to minimize that risk, you would uh, do some due diligence. And this actually relates to a whole financial theory that we, we, we brought up in this class uh, called moral hazard. And moral hazard pretty much says that you don't get screwed by engaging in what is referred to as optimal contracting. And, and let me explain all that, what all that means. I know that sounds like a lot, but basically it means that you should take your time. Right? Make sure that you uh, minimize the probability that you're going to get screwed. And, and when it comes to taking a risk, uh, in, in finance, there's literally a difference between what they call uh, efficient risk versus inefficient risk. Uh, efficient risk is a good thing. Efficient risk helps you make more money. People who take efficient risk tend to have more wealth than people who don't take efficient risk. Inefficient risk is a waste. Inefficient risk uh, is where you get burned and you didn't even have to take a chance. You didn't have to. You didn't have to step over the stove. You didn't even have to put your hand on the fire. But your hand got burned off because you just thought that somehow putting your hand on the fire was going to help you make more money or help you become more successful. And a person who does due diligence would say, "No, actually, you didn't even have to take that risk. I don't even know why you put it on the line like that." Right. So, so an example in real life of efficient versus inefficient risk might be this: uh, If I take the risk to uh, to become an investor. Uh, if I take the risk to go to college when nobody else in my family does that, if I take the risk to start a business that, you know, after I've done the work and talked to people about it and, and invested a minimal amount of money, then then that's efficient risk. Inefficient risk would be, um, uh, you know, I'm from the streets and the way I can make money is I got to go out here with a gun and rob somebody. Right. That's not a smart risk because you're you might make an extra two hundred dollars from the robbery, but you might also get 30 years in prison. Right. Uh, and inefficient risk in, in dating, in my opinion, would be to see somebody that's attractive and have a couple of conversations and then put it all on the line. Start sleeping with them and let them into your house and let them into your life. That's not an efficient risk. That's not usually going to work out. That's more likely to lead to some type of trauma, whereas an efficient risk says, you know what? I might eventually sleep with you. I might eventually let you come in my house. I, I might eventually invest in you, but I'm going to take my time and not do this from an irrational position. Okay. So, so that's what I see there. That's what I see in terms of risk. And so I think that investing in the things that you want is essential to being able to eventually get those things. People who don't invest don't typically get much of anything, right? So, so don't let, and so let's circle this back to, to, to economics now, you know, don't get caught up, please. I, I've been asking you, don't ever get caught up in your relatives who are afraid of, of investing and afraid of the stock market. People like that, and because in fact, if somebody tells you how terrible the stock market is and how it's going to you know, cause you to lose all your money because the dollar's collapsing and the economy's going to hell and bricks and all these other scare factors they throw at you, I just want you to don't even say anything. Just look at their bank account. Just see how are, how are they doing financially? How much do they actually own? 
What assets do they have? Are they financially secure? Or are they insecure? And nine times out of 10, people who talk like that, who move out of fear, they don't typically have much of anything or whatever little bit they have, they're holding on to that. So they've got that, but that ability to really grow and explore new possibilities is somewhat limited in those uh, individuals. Okay. All right. So uh, one thing I wanted to share with you guys is um, in case you did not know, uh, if you want to get all the recordings of all the trainings that we've done, or if you have to miss a class or something like that, you can actually go to drboycedaily.com to uh, to become a member. And you can also, as a member, you can send me questions that I can answer. I'll do a video once a week and I'll answer all your questions directly. And then also you get access to every single training that we've done. Um, and uh, it, so I let, I, let, I let a lot of folks in uh, that aren't members uh, for the live sessions. But if you miss the live sessions, uh, if, if the archives are not available. So generally speaking, if you want that to be available, here's a chance to do that if you want. Uh, for 24 hours, what I did was I set it where it's literally, I want to say 75% off the membership. So it drops the membership from $79 to $19.99. And the best part also is it's the lowest cost membership we have from anything in the Black Business School. But this is something that is a great low cost entry way for you to get introduced to a lot of financial concepts. So I put that link in there. It's available for 24 hours. So if you'd like to join and become a member, uh, just hit that link. And it's also at drboycedaily.com. So I'm putting the link in the chat right now. If you guys want to take advantage of that, uh, feel free to do that. And I'll also text it out to you. Um, if you text the word morning to 87948, I will text out the link a little bit later too. Text morning to 87948. And, uh, and also inside, there's a free e-copy of my book, uh, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power and a lot of other things. And again, I want you to remember the big part of this too is that it's each one teach one. So I, I encourage, not only do we allow you to share your membership with family members, I actually encourage it. If you've got a child that's available uh, to, to, you know, in the mornings, bring them to class with you, have them listen to me. I, there's no way any kid can sit and listen to somebody like me for even five hours without being literally ahead of 99% of the other kids when it comes to economics, like literally that, that little amount of time. So, um, because I know what I'm talking about. So feel free to go take a look. Uh, is it free for current students or members? Yeah. If you, if you're already a member, then it's free, but if you aren't a member, you can join again, the discount is for 24 hours and it drops the price from 79 to 1999 or something like that. And our goal is to really make, just sort of open that door for you to get, uh, economic consciousness conversations and training every single morning. So you can learn to see the economics in your life. I want you to see money in a completely different way. I want you to see the possibilities that are out there. And, uh, and that's really what the goal is. And uh, in addition to that, uh, if you want to get copies of hard copies of any of the books, all you have to do is go to drboycebooks.com. We actually have this cool new thing. Uh, it's the the Black Wealth Mastery Store that we put together. And it's uh, this big bookstore that just has all this cool stuff. Like there's Poweronomics is there. There's a lot of stuff there uh, that you can pick up if you want to. And so here's what that looks like if you want to go take a look. So all the a lot of the books are there. The flashcards for kids are there. So there's all kinds of stuff there that you can go feel, feel free to check out there. All right, guys. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go ahead and shut us down for today. My goal is always to go for 45 minutes every morning. And a lot of times I end up going longer than that. But today I got to go and spend some time with my mama. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, let us go. So I hope that you gained something today. I hope you learned something. And again, our stock, the stock that I mentioned earlier, in case you came in late, is a well well tower well tower w e l l is the ticker uh that's the stock i just bought not investing advice just me telling you what i did and uh and also uh what else the stock options summit is in uh la uh, April 19th. If you text the word money to 87948, I will make sure that you get an invitation. And also uh, the All Black National Convention. I hope you guys will consider coming to the convention. It's going to be outside of Chicago in a town called Lombard. And it's, uh, it's a really nice city. And there's a big, right next to the, the hotel is the Westin. So it's very fancy and nice. The rooms are discounted to, I want to say between 125 and 150. So we, we work that down. And then also in the, in the hotel parking lot, there's a movie theater right there. There's a big, beautiful mall like right across the street. So it's, it's so much stuff, uh, fun stuff for your family. So bring your kids and everybody. And I hope to see you guys. It's October 25th through the 27th. All right. So have a good day, everybody. God bless you. And, uh, and I hope you make a ton of money and happy investing. I'll see you guys later. Take care now. Bye-bye.